Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. My heart is missing listening to her going down the crane because she's such a little cutie. I've gone through at the home of representatives that are driving that to the hall, so yeah. they can't get the answers. How are the people going to get the answers? They know how hard I work, and to get nothing at the end of it is very, very hard. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. And a very, very good Thursday morning to you. This is Cork's 96 FM. PJ is at home, feet up, in the bed, lying down, doing whatever he's doing. And uh, this is Paul Byrne in Until Midday. Cork's 96 FM, Thursday the 16th of March. St. Patrick's Eve, how are you? I'm just looking down into the city centre at the moment and uh, just imagining that there'll be thousands upon thousands of people down there tomorrow enjoying the day of our patron saint. I hope that the weather holds up. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Whatever is on your mind, get in touch and uh, have a chat with us. We're here until midday. I just want you to uh, put yourself into this situation. Just imagine that you're 35 years of age. You are living with your seven-year-old son who is finding it extremely difficult to sleep at night. The bathroom is the worst for wear. In fact, the ceiling has collapsed and there's water pouring down into the bathroom and down throughout several parts of the flat. And that is the situation that Alina finds herself in at the moment. Alina, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm I'm running <laughs> to sort of... Uh... I suppose uh, accommodation, you... but now when I was uh, to the hotel, I have a big surprise. I hope my landlord he will sort soon. Okay. One thing I'm going to ask you to be very, very careful, Alina. I don't want to know where you're living or the name of yeah, your no, landlord. No, 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 I will not. Uh, but tell me, uh, the description I just gave is that fact or is it fictional? Oh, uh, the, the apartment. Yes. Am it's I am I horror. painting the right picture? Tell me about it. It's horror. Actually, nobody can live there now. Describe it for me. The uh, bathroom, um, the ceiling is collapsed, you know. It's very bad. Uh, In the kitchen, it is a big hole. And uh, mushroom, (laughs) many things. 
And uh, now actually he stopped the leak because uh, my neighbor, he stopped uh, to, to flow the water. He's doing uh, only when we live there intentionally. Water in his urine and... Alina, tell me this. I've seen... Uh, Alina seems to have... Uh dropped, maybe the water got into the line, I'm not sure, but uh, Alina was telling us about the situation in her apartment here in the city. Uh, it's a privately owned property. I've seen some photographs on Cork PO as well as in today's Examiner and the conditions are just absolutely frightening. I mean, it's 2023, we're on the eve as it were of the eviction ban. Uh, Alina is back to us, I believe. Alina? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, 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 photogra- the photographs we've seen in, in the papers, are they actually real? Yeah. They, they was yesterday. Made, uh, they, he made yesterday in my house. Did you move into the apartment when it was like that or did that happen while you were there? Oh, uh, uh, the, the ceiling collapsed Monday night and uh, we moved um, Tuesday night. And how long are you living in the apartment? Uh, I from May two thousand nineteen. And how much are you paying per month? Nine hundred euro. And have you rent allowance? Are you? Uh, uh, I have. I am. I am in HAP. You know, I'm with HAP. Okay. Yeah. And can I ask yeah. you the conditions? They are what I would simply describe as appalling. I have seen cleaner. Uh, recycling centres, cleaner dog kennels. It's absolutely horrific. Your landlord, what have you said to him or to her about what the, the conditions are like? What have you said? Uh, first time I um, I uh, tell him in uh, December 2020 when the problem didn't was too bigger. You know, it was small. Actually, the shower, uh, the guy he live above, he was broke. And I sent him a message and I told him his shower is broke. And he said he will call me tomorrow. Actually, he he didn't call me, but uh, I meet with him when he he came to collect the beans because he coming every Tuesday. And I told him his shower is broke. Can you fix? And a while that guy he didn't using the shower, and we I didn't have problems. Okay. But um, from May, from May he start. To, to flow the water every day, every night, with intentionally. And tell me this, what is your landlord saying to you? I mean, you get onto your landlord, you tell him there's a problem, does he fix it? Yeah, all the time he told me, I will fix, I will fix. Promise, and but nothing is happening. And the situation, he started to be more worse. And from what you know, is the landlord registered with the uh, Residential Tenancies Board? Uh, I know I am. I hope I am. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a privately owned property, but have you spoken to local authority? I mean, have you got onto the City Council to say, I am living in dreadful conditions? Have you gotten Uh, onto support agencies? Yeah, I I was. I was to the hub, council, threshold, RTB, uh, many things. And I uh, I tell them, I, actually, I, I was to ask help to someone tell me where I have to go. And guards and everyone. 
tell me, I know it can't be good for your mental and physical health. And to add fuel to the fire, what should be a beautiful, beautiful occasion. But you're expecting um, twins, I believe. Uh, uh, I, I genuinely said I didn't hear that. I, I, I said you're due, uh, you're, you're expectant, you're pregnant, you're expecting yeah. twins shortly. Yeah, uh, twins, yeah. And are you going to bring those babies into those conditions, into that flight? I hope not. I hope not. This was my... Uh, how I can say it? Uh, I, I was desperate because this. I know the babies, they were coming soon and nobody do nothing. And, you know, I, I didn't know where I, I, I have to go. I tried to find a place. I, I spoke with uh, because I, I didn't have too many friends. And, but they was exactly like me, you know, with family, kids, and to go there with my son and another two new babies, it was too much. They tried to help me how they can, but not for accommodation. What is um, it doing What is it doing to your health and the health of your son who's seven years of age? Uh, how, how are you affected? Oh, my son actually, he's very affected. Uh, he's scared. Um, uh, he uh, wait. When he see that guy, uh, he uh, he feel like hate for him, you know, mm-hmm. to school um, all the time. He speak about these problems, you know. He has a kind life like trauma because actually me too I have, you know. But I I try to be strong. And tell me, the the bathroom is in an appalling condition. How do you? Are you able to shower? Wide, are you, are you able to shower? Toilet. Are you able to go to the toilet? No, no, no. We we didn't use from December the shower and the toilet. From May until December, I try to clean every day. Sometime I have maybe I clean two three, two three times on day. And 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 how are you go? How are you using, December, are you using the toilet? It was impossible to. It was impossible to use the to to using again, you know, because the water it was continuous. And how are you using the bathroom? I mean, how do you go to the toilet? Um, yeah, we pee in a bucket, and you know, the second problem we made in the plastic bag, and we wash in a small um, small bowl, you know, in the kitchen. Yeah, it was very hard because, especially for me, pregnant, to to wash in a small, you know, small bowl, you know. Okay, I'm gonna. T- I'm just gonna go back there because I want to tell you it's it's Cork. It's 2023. Are we living? You're describing conditions like the third world. You tell me you're going to the your your number one, as it were, in a bottle, yeah. and yeah. your number two in a bag. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't believe that, Alina. Yeah, me too. I, I. I never in my life. I. I believe I. I will live this. You know, in because, you know, when you when you decide to move in another country, you know, I didn't decide to come back here to destroy my life. Actually, I. I decided to come to to came in Ireland to to do a better life for my son. 
but uh, the point it is what in the last year what it's happening for me I don't know I was very disappointed and where have you come from uh, Romania The people listening to this will say, I mean, that you came here for a better life, but what you are describing is third world. It's frightening. I know. Many times I want to come back in my country, but I didn't have the uh, opportunity. I didn't have option, you know, money to come back. And, you know, I feel I was like stuck in that apartment. And yeah, I hope I hope soon we'll find the solution. And with me and my son we can found our peace you know and stay in quiet and a nice uh, atmosphere and I understand you, luckily enough, were taken out of there yesterday and you stayed somewhere else last night what happened? Tell me where you stayed Um, Today I need to move again but um, yesterday my landlord he told me he paid for me and my son for a for days, for nights in a hotel, but now when I was there, they they asked me for money. Actually, he didn't pay nothing, and I hope he will sort because if he does, he will not pay today. I don't know what is happening with me and my son. Where we're going tonight? Is your landlord not that it should make any difference? Is your landlord Irish? Yeah. Absolute shame, absolute shame on him. Yeah. This is frightening, frightening. Tell me, you, you're in touch with the organisation Katu. Uh, they, yeah. they have been helping you. Yeah, actually, after I, when I meet them, they help me a lot. These people, what they do for me, nobody, nobody make in this year for me. I don't know. Katu are the only people are who are very, helping yeah. you now, is it? Yeah, very, very good people, yeah. And I don't know how I can tell them thank you for what they made. Because if I didn't meet, actually, if I didn't meet them, I maybe now in this moment I I will I will stay with my son there with the bathroom destroyed with everything because I know I I can go nowhere and the landlord he will not do nothing for me and my son because I asked him many times and he didn't do nothing. The people listening to this this morning, I know they're going to find what we've been talking about very, very difficult to believe. That here we have a 35-year-old lady, the mother of a 7-year-old son, and twins on the way. And in this day and age, you're living in appalling conditions. The ceiling has collapsed down around you. The apartment is flooded. The conditions are just dreadful. And you're telling me that you've got to go to the toilet into a plastic bottle and your number two into a, into a plastic bag. It's just indescribable. It's... It's, it's a thing of a nightmare. I think if people want to see those photographs of your property, they should pick up a, a copy uh, or check online for the Cork Bio or pick up a copy of today's Irish Examiner. Photographs are in the paper today from Dan Lenehan. And uh, maybe people who disbelieve what we're talking about will have a look at the photographs and... Um, get to see them. Listen, Alina, I honestly hope that you will find somewhere nicer to live. In fact, uh, those photographs, I believe, now are up on the Opinion Line Twitter account, Opinion Line at, ni- at, at Opinion 96. You can have a look at those photographs, uh, the conditions that Alina is finding herself living in at the moment. Alina, I wish you well. And we we are doing all we can. Well, the the people here at the radio station are doing all they can to try and help you in any way they can. 
please stay strong and it's very important that you do stay strong not just for yourself but for your babies on the way and for your seven year old son you wrap each other and keep each other warm and mind each other yeah thank you and thank you for everything you're doing for me I hope soon everything will be fine Alina, thank you very much indeed. That's Alina who is just living in third world conditions here in Cork. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Things people have done in your house. Lads, I stayed in an ex-girlfriend's family house, woke up after lots of responsibilities, went to the toilet, fainted and broke the shower door and woke up to her parents staring at me on the ground. (laughs) Guys, we had friends over for dinner. One of them used the upstairs bathroom. She blocked the toilet. Of course, he couldn't unblock it. I wouldn't leave the bathroom. I would endeavour with every bit of my fibre and being to do it. I'd be on Amazon buying sticks of dynamite. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone has to have a buddy in Dino Rod. Yeah. And just feed that snake thing up through the upstairs window. Imagine yeah. that happening and no one knowing it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> this is a whole operation. YouTube, how to unblock toilets. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. This is Paul Byrne. You can call us on 0818969696, email opinion at 96fm.ie or text 0833969696 to get in touch with us. I'd love to hear from you between now and midday. You know, finding a tradesman or a tradesperson to do a job in this day and age is extremely difficult. They're, it's like uh, rarer than hen's teeth. But a couple in Cork were very, very lucky somewhat uh, recently when two men turned up on their doorstep and offered to do some work on the house and at a very competitive rate as well. Fiona, your parents were very lucky to come across these men, were they? <laughs> they were both. They were. And um, the work wasn't done. Um, you know, when we were talking before that um, they scammed my mother out at €350. Euro. They were going to clean the gutters and they told my father to be €70 euro. and they put up the ladders and everything and um then they came in and one of the older men, he was in his 30s, and he started talking to my mother, asking her her age and things like that. And then he said, oh, it would be 350. And poor mum was confused. She's 87 years of age. And she said, that's a lot of money. And she went upstairs and her few savings that she saves, uh, she gave them the money. We are and talking. they disappeared. They disappeared. We are talking here, not about tradespersons. We're talking about bogus traders. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Scum of definitely. the earth. And honestly, that's all they yes. can be described with because I cover these stories. We interviewed you for Virgin Media News. We've covered yes. these stories morning, noon and night that these bogus traders are out there. They're opportunistic. They take advantage of vulnerable people. And yet people fall for these scams. It's frightening. Yes, I know. And like, I mean... I've heard that that even younger people, like in their 70s, or people have told me, one person told me that they actually drove her father to the bank to get the money. You know, and, and you know, I, like, I know people say, oh, well, she was very fortunate, your mother, that nothing else happened. But it's the effect it had on her. And the last time we spoke, after we spoke, I was thinking, you said to me, what should be done with these people? And I was saying, oh, 
they should be put to jail. But sure, these people, like, they're put, they go in. How long would the process, the court process take? Will I put my mother through that? And then the chances are they pay the fine and out they go and mum never gets her money back anyway. And would, you know, it, it just, it just, you know... Jail, jail is too good for them. I tell you, any time I yeah, pass, it is. For, it is. for some reason, yeah. every time I pass Dawn Square here in the city, I visualise people out sweeping the streets, <laughs> cleaning up, yeah. hard labour, the chain gang. Labor. And honest to God, and I, I, I cover court cases where these guys come in and they're after ripping off Mr. and Mrs. Murphy for two or three thousand euro. And then they give Mrs. and Mrs. Murphy two thousand or three thousand euro in compensation to say thank you. But you've got to ask yourself, where do they come up with that two or three grand? I know. And and you know what else is the thing? Like, even when they do that, you know, and for my mother, this is backtracking now. It's the fear that these people will come back again because they know where you are. And these are elderly people. And like my parents, like we're living on a terrace and I'm there every day. But like, you know, as I said to my mother, there were some people, nobody, they live in the country. They have and they're by themselves. And, you know, it's just the whole process. Like I haven't heard, has there any in any follow-up or anything and like they've obviously done it again because that was a few weeks ago these guys are seasoned operators yes you know I mean this is how they make a living they head off to work at 7 or 8 in the morning and if they manage to and they do manage most days to scam 2 to 3 people they'll travel the length and breadth of the, the county until they succeed. And unfortunately, you and I and your parents, the likes of your parents, are picking up the tab. It's, it's, it's horrific what's happening. Your parents were very, very lucky. They lost €350. Euro. No work was done. Yes. How are they feeling today, though? Are they feeling hurt inside, emotionally? Mentally, I try not to bring it up to my mother because I don't want to worry her. But we were talking again about it uh, the other day and she was going, well, I suppose I was lucky. It, it could have been worse. You know, that's her attitude. And it could have been, thank God. But it still has mentally impacted on her. Now, she's a very strong woman. Mentally, physically, she isn't. She's feeble. But... I, I'm frustrated and that there's no comeback. Forget the money. Forget the money. The money is gone. It's the impact it has had on my mother and other people, other older people. As I said to you, they came into the security of her home and they did this. And I know we're fortunate, thank God, because you hear so many stories. But, you know, there's no comeback. It's like your previous caller, that poor woman. Will that landlord be fined? No. It's always that the person who the blame has been done against doesn't seem to have any comeback. Why there are just you... seems to be no... Go on, sorry. Yep, sorry. Why are you speaking out? Speaking out, first of all, to warn people, especially older persons. But as I said myself, if two men approached me and I was in my house by myself, you know, I'd be nervous. But to warn older persons, do not give work to people that haven't been recommended to you, that you do not know. Unfortunately, now we've told my mother and I was even talking to an elderly neighbour the other day and I was saying, can you see through your door? Look out the window and don't open the door until you know who's out there, which is terrible to have to do that. My mother said, but I don't want to be locked into my house. 
you know, that they can't even open the door. And unfortunately, that's the day and age we're living in, though, isn't it? Yes, yes. And there's no, there's no, even if they're caught, what's the comeback? You know, that's the frustration. It seems to be in all walks of life, everything that there's no comeback. Nobody does anything here in the government, nothing. There are no laws there for these people. Well, the laws are there you know, when they get caught. They do go before the courts and some of them are jailed. Yes, and I mean, but it's, I, I retired, it's a very long process. Oh yeah, it's absolutely very horrific. I mean, the justice system in this country getting to the court by the time the guards catch up with these guys and bring them from A to B to yeah. C, it's an absolute disgrace. I mean, the amount of people that they can rip off in, in that time frame yes. before they get to court. I mean, they're buying their way out of the next jail sentence by catching other people. Yes. You yes. Know? There's a Sergeant Brian McSweeney in the community policing um, office in Anglesey Street and the Sergeant is, you know, he's very passionate about these bogus traders and people who are concerned should get onto the Garda website and check up on all of the security measures they, they, they put in place and all of these events that they hold. But again, Fiona... You're, you're, you're talking, and I think in fairness, every time someone like yourself speaks out, one person listening to this today for uh, Fiona will benefit from what you're doing, I think. Yes, and I straightway put it up on the Passage West discussion group because I said to my parents when they told me when I came in, I said, I'm putting that up immediately because they're obviously in the area. As I said, they had come up along the terrace. They had spoken to other elderly neighbours and they're going to catch somebody. So... If it happens to your parent, your neighbour or something, try and get it straight away up on on social media as well, because it's another means of letting people know they're out there and people will see it. They'll say to their parents, don't open the door to these people, you know, because so that they warned in advance. As I said previously, I don't want to scare people. I just want to let them know, um, you know, it's. It's frustrating. I'm very passionate about it now because it was my parents and anybody else and the older persons. I think like, you know, they're elderly. They're, they, they you know, we have to take they, care of them. Exactly. I was just going to say they cared for you when you were a baby. And, you know, as yeah. they get older, they, they become your babies, really, don't they? Yes. Yes, unfortunately. And we must take care of our elderly people, our neighbours that have nobody, no family, nothing. We need to look out for them. We do, we do. And look, you know yourself, if it's too good to be true, then it is. I mean, no uh, tradesman uh, is out there looking for work at the moment because, you know, you can't find a tradesman to do a job. They're so busy. Yeah, I mean, you can't get a plumber, you can't get an electrician, you can't get a carpenter, whatever the case may be. So if, if someone is calling to your door offering to do work, well, please let that be a sign that there's something wrong here, isn't there? Yes. And I mean, we know they were brought up in a different era where, you know, for the most part, you trusted people. People were actually genuine, you know, whereas and they still have that trusting nature. You know, they're not like us. No, I'm quite cynical, you know, and uh, and they have that trusting nature and they see the good in people. So they wouldn't expect that to happen to them. What have you learned from it yourself, Fiona? Well... I learned I for, I don't know I'll tell you just to it has made me talk to the elderly neighbours which I hate doing saying make sure you don't open your door because I don't want to frighten them but I have learned like unfortunately I have to tell my mother look be very careful keep the door locked um, just even myself I lock my door now 
you know, when I'm in the house by myself. And we heard all those you stories just, years ago when you leave the key in your door and the, yeah. the, the key on the, the door on the latch. That's a thing of the past. Yes, unfortunately it is. Because even in the summer, you know, when you have the doors open, I saw it on a programme in England. The woman had the door open in the summer and uh, you saw the man just, she was asleep in the chair and you saw the man just walking in and taking the stuff out and he was going around the neighbourhood and doing it. Now they caught him, but that was just on a programme. But that's what it is. Unfortunately, you can't leave your door open unless you're sitting in the garden yourself. Do you believe the two guys who called your mum and dad's house will be caught? I'd love to say I would. They'd love them to be caught, but... I, I, I somehow don't think so unless somebody else reports them or has them ID'd mm-hmm. or things like that. So Maybe. They, they, they managed to get away so with how much and for not doing a tap of work? 350 euro, which does, may not seem a lot to other persons, but for elderly people, that's a lot of money. And for other persons, it is a lot of money. That's weak wages for some mm. people. I know. You know, know. and it's, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think the guards, they have so much, but but they will just, I think, I wonder if they were even caught, would they say, look, for elderly persons, do they say this is just too long a process for them? Well, in fairness, they're going to the court. Yeah, it it is a process. And, you know, once the guards catch them, if they catch them, they they will deal with them and bring them before the courts. Even if the the likes of your parents don't want to make a statement or whatever. But, you know, they they will. They they do their best. And I I don't mean this in a bad way. It's probably not up there as number one priority to catch the two guys. No, and I understand that completely. I understand that completely. But if they were caught, jail is too good for them. Oh, definitely. They should be made just do hard Hard labour. labour. Yeah. You're a tough woman, you aren't you? You know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't, what is it? I don't suffer fools gladly. That's what a lot of people would say about me. No woman Uh, does. Probably. (laughs) No. (laughs) But um, thanks anyway for following up on it. And just, again, letting people be aware. It's good to just, I suppose, every few months just to make people aware that these people, especially coming in now to the finer weather, Exactly. They're going to be out there, you know, gardens, everything like that, and just to be aware All right. and take care of themselves. Thank you very much. Fiona Paul. O'Reilly, Gaurav Mahoga. thank you very much. That's Fiona O'Reilly, whose uh, elderly parents were ripped off to the tune of €350 Euro recently by two bogus traders who called to the house, uh, first offered uh, to carry out some work for €75, Euro, jumped to €350, they got the money, and what did they do? They ran. Sergeant Brian McSweeney is in the community policing office at Anglesey Street. Get onto the Garda website. There's invaluable advice there and um, make contact with them if you're looking for anything to be done. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. This is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ today. You can contact us at Text 0833969696, email opinion at 96fm.ie or you can call us on 0818969696. Come on air or leave your comment. Now, just a couple of moments ago, we were talking to Fiona O'Reilly, whose parents were ripped off by bogus traders. What is the solution? Jerry, can you solve this crisis for us? Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. How are you? How are you doing? You have had experience of, not yourself, but you know of people who are ripped off, do you? 
I do indeed, yeah. I Look, I'm in the, the fish and soffit business there. I'd be fitting the fish and soffits. I know I know it's completely different to cleaning out the gutters and that, like, you know. But um, in relation to people getting caught, um, I think our suppliers, my suppliers there, I was even answering them there about getting a VAT number off of these guys, you know, when they're supplying, when they're selling them the product. It might curtail it a little bit. I know what I can't do it for everyone. But I think when people arrive at your door, maybe... You know, they should ask for that VAT number to see or they register for VAT and all that and everything is legit. But they just target all people, which is uh, despicable. It's a, it's a crime. Like. It's Just- despicable. And I, I'll never be out of work when these fellas are doing that, if you can understand what I'm saying. Like. You're picking up the pieces. Yes. We're going back and it's just shoddy work. We'll never be out of work as, as, as long as these guys are, are doing it. And it's not right. I think when you're dealing with people's money like that, you should give them what you're you're saying on, on, on the on the tin, you know. You have but, to give them. But Jerry, will you say that you're you'll never be out of work because of these guys? But we'll say for argument's sake, do these guys give the likes of you a difficult job? Then the fact that are are, are people uh, wary of the likes of yourself and others? And I say 100%. that with respect. A hundred percent. Yes. Um, like when you go, like. I've done jobs there, and I will say, inside the terrace of houses, and people mightn't trust you just to go through, we'll say, their house out to the backyard to bring a, a two-story ladder. You'd have to drive around the estate, you know. No, that hasn't ha- happened very often, but you can see the trust issue there. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, I, I was I was telling your researcher there that I've, I went to a job in, in Torker there a number of years ago. I got a call from Torker Garda Station because I was doing work for the city council, and like they ripped off an elderly couple. He was just after retiring from the PNT and the, the man was suffering with cancer and they robbed her purse upstairs. She fed them and everything, gave them their dinner and they had to cheat them to go in and rip her off. But I, I went in and I just pulled the whole act down and read, just redid it for them and got it right, you know. But it's a disgrace what they actually leave after them. They're pure, evil, the pure evil scum. Yeah, and it's just when look when you're dealing with the, look when you're dealing with people, it doesn't necessarily have to be elderly people, but they intimidate them. Like it, there was a guy uh, in Montanati where they drove this man down to the bank, and what they charged him was criminal. Like what I would be charging, what they charged was two and a half times the price. Because that guy's nephew rang me to know, could I just price it up? And I priced it. He said, look, they're after charging him this. And I just said, ring the guards. Don't pay him. Ring the guards straight away and get him up there. Like, there, was a ca- him. there was a case a number of years ago, a woman in West Cork, where the bogus traders yeah. called to the door. They yeah. sold her, and this is no word of a lie, I cover the court case myself. They sold mm-hmm. her a van load of generators, chainsaws, power tools, screwdrivers, car power washers. The woman yeah. didn't need anything whatsoever and she signed yeah. checks to the value I think at the time of about 20 grand and luckily at one stage the bank copped on when these guys came in to cash the checks it was before right. you'd cross it you know the checks weren't crossed right. or whatever like that yeah. and yeah. I suppose in fairness is there an onus on the banks as well to check um if, if someone is coming in drawing out a large amount of money, we say Mrs. Murphy goes in on a Monday and she normally takes out yes. 50 or 60 quid. If she comes in on the following Friday and she takes out 500 quid, should the bank be in a position to ask her, Mrs. Murphy, is everything all right? Where are you, what are you doing with the money? Well, I suppose yes. 
but would some people find that intrusive then and kind of nauseous? Do, do you know what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. to you? Like, but I think yes, especially elderly people because they're intimidated by these people. And the amount of uh, people that I've heard that got cut down, no matter what it was, driveways, cleaning out gutters, replacing a, a roof tile up in, up, in the, up in the roof and charging, ex- like, it's extortion what they're doing to them, like. And, get, and look, they're getting away with it. How do you advertise your business then? Because these guys just call to the door. Well, I'll be totally honest about it. I'm working for myself for the last 20 years and I, it's all worth the most. Yeah, yeah. And it's just worth the most. I, uh, I don't want to advertise it. Yeah. Um, it's word the most and somebody will just recommend me and there's a couple of lads in our job we'd all kind of recommend each other Okay, and if you like, call to you know, a house then if somebody asked you to call over and they asked you for identification yes. would you feel offended? Yes. No I, I wouldn't because I wouldn't feel offended because um, I'm legit yep. everything's above board and I, I don't and if you're, if, you're, if you're under pressure producing that well there's something wrong isn't there? Exactly, exactly. Jerry, before we go, if somebody wants uh, yes. a job done, how can they contact you? Uh, well, my number is 86 All right. Okay. Listen, thanks a million for talking to us, Jerry. Stay well Thank and look you. after the people out there. Well done. Um, Pat, you had a gutter cleaner call to your house uh, last summer. Um, 100 euro worth of uh, work. It seems good value. Good morning, Pat. Hi, good morning, Paul. How are you keeping? Not too bad. A hundred yeah, euro so, for good cleaning the gutters. Did you, yeah, did you pay him? No, do you know what? No, Paul. It was my mother's house. And I happened to be just out there at the, at the time. And I think they were from Waterford. I don't think they were from Cork. So they said, look, we'll go up and we'll do the gutters a hundred euros. So my mother was kind of saying, yeah, that sounds a good deal. And uh, well, with that, he went up to his van and got buckets and a ladder. So I kind of said to him, I said, before you go up, I said, can I have a look at the bucket? And Paul, a load of rubbish is right in the bucket. Jesus. So I'd say his thing was, walk the ladder with the bucket and come down and say, ma'am, this is what I got with your gutter. And what did you do? So, uh, what did you do there uh, and then? Uh, I said, there's the gate there, no boy, be on your way. And um, how did they react when you said, on your horse? Oh, no problem. And he he did he the ladder actually up on the wall, Paul. And I said, look, be on your way there. I said, uh, there's already rubbish in the bucket. They knew that their game was up. Oh, they knew straight away. Straight away. Like that's, and Paul, that's what they're doing. They're putting rubbish into a bucket, going up on the ladder, because he was as quick as a flash going up. And I said, look, by before you go up, can I have a look in your bucket? And there was a load of already rubbish inside in the bucket, Paul. And I just said, I said, uh, job off. I said, can I, there's the gate, so where you go? All right. Well, that's, th- what that's what they're doing. That's what just we're up against. Very careful. Yeah, yep. no. uh, Pat, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Enjoy no the long worries. weekend. Cheers, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Good morning. Bye now. Mary, um, people going around there claiming to be from a broadband company. Good morning, Mary. What happened? Well, my mother got a card. Um, she she got a card through her letterbox saying that the company area upgrading to fibre looks very genuine all the company logos all the you know the and then on the back it says the um if the team or whatever can be contacted they gave a name and a mobile number which was personal nothing you know an 085 number it wasn't anything and saying that they'd be putting up and that they'd have id or whatever but 
like I don't know. It must be. It would be very easy, I would imagine, to get these kind of cards printed up. You know, it was like a postcard. Like it's completely legit looking. But my mother isn't a customer of that company anymore. She was with them previously. And like the thing said that they'd be putting wires up on the side of our house. They have no right to put wires up on the side of a house of a private home. And but and and did you stop them? Were they stopped in their tracks? They haven't. They haven't come. You see, like that's that's what I'm worried about now. That these people will actually walk up with their ID and right. And what have you, you told? Know, what, be what, have you what have you told your mother then, in case they do call? Well, I've tried to contact. I tried to contact um, the company, um, and you know, you get on. Um, there's no kind of thing for non-customers, like if you mm-hmm. like, or to query this kind of thing, and there's then you press some option that you think at least will get and there's a 30 minute wait time for answering the call you can't actually get through to them I've tried emailing them and again you need an account number they don't you can't email them without an account number they don't give you an email address they have these forms online that Mm -hmm. you can't actually complete now I took her old account number and I've sent something off but like it's just very unsatisfied like kind of thing you know my mother wouldn't have known like I don't think they can put wires on the side of anybody's house without their explicit consent, Absolutely. like it's a private home. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's acceptable for Virgin. I kind of think if it had her Virgin account number on it, even if it was her old account number, mm-hmm. it would be legit. But all that is honest. Like there is no contact details for the company, and there's no anything. You know, there's nothing honest. Like kind of thing that would. Um, Make it look Allow, a, a valid. Uh, uh, well, like, it, it looks very valid, but right. there's nothing to follow up on, if you know what I mean. Aside from, and then I was saying, Jeepers, I didn't want to ring this number. I started to ring the number on it, and I said, Well, that's the only number I can ring, so I'll ring that. And then I said, Well, no, I don't want this person and my number coming up on their right. on their phone and have them having kind of. The details may possibly, like, I'd obviously have to discuss where my mother is, but I'm afraid of these people actually coming. So well, the, and she being in a position of either having to tell them, and, like, it could be perfectly legit, but still, I don't think they should be coming and putting up wires on somebody's house who isn't a customer anymore either. Not. And you know what, look, if it's legit and they're standing there in front of your mum and your mother calls you, and if they're legitimate, they'll have absolutely no reason to uh, run away whatsoever. If they stand still, wait for you to come along, well then yeah. they're genuine. Well, I know, I know, I suppose I'm just that, you know what I mean? I'm just kind of nervous, like, just of her answering the door and, you know, I just don't like the whole situation and I don't think it's fair for any company to be putting people in that situation. All right. Look, like Mary, the, you know, we're, we're, anyway, we're, we're caught for time and I want to thank you so okay. much for getting in touch no because problem. what you're saying this morning is so important to people out there who may be answering the door to people at this very stage. All we can yeah. say is, Mary, the likes of your mother and others, they've got to be very vigilant. There's lots of scams going on, whether it's people calling to yeah. the door, mobile phones, anything, texts and everything. We've just yeah. got to be careful. We've really, Absolutely. really got to put on these And look out for each other and warn, and warn each other. Mary, yeah, lovely exactly. talking to you. Okay, thanks thank a million. You. Bye now, bye. Thanks, Mary. Good morning. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Marathon.
answer live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. March 96FM. March 16th, and uh, this is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ this morning. You can call us on 0818 96 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie or text 0833. 96 96 96 just want to give a quick mention if you want to uh, try and put your brain to work uh, there's a table quiz a fundraising night in aid of Cork City First Responders it's happening on the 1st of April at 7 o'clock at St Vincent's on Blarney Road only 10 euro per person plenty of spot prizes on the night plenty of fun and all proceeds going to that very very worthy cause Cork City Community First Responders that's a table quiz on April 1st at St Vincent's Hurling of Football Club quick mention as well for all the gang at Ground Wellbeing on the Model Farm Road for Carrie, for Pegeen, Deirdre and the shops at the Union Shop Stewart, Claire Mackey. Good morning to all of you. Now some comments in in relation to Alina who we were talking to at the top of the programme. Alina you may remember is living in appalling conditions with her seven year old son and she's expecting twins in a couple of months time. Now she's living in a flat that has only been described as third world and some comments in. Thomas Gould TD along with McNugent have both been working on Alina's behalf. Social workers need to be contacted if this horrific case, in this horrific case, that poor woman says Mary. In the name of God, has the Alina ever heard of contraception? Please come on. Where the hell of the fathers in this case? Stories like this make me sick. I'm just mad listening to this woman. Why is she pregnant again, says Anne. The story here, says Alan, it's the worst he's ever heard. That woman sounds so depressed living in those conditions. How can this be allowed to happen in our city? And... Um this lady says, just listening to Alina, she says that landlord needs to be prosecuted for renting a property that just no one should be living in. She has to pee in a plastic bucket and do number two in a plastic bag. Fungus on the walls, part of the ceiling has collapsed, water coming in. Paul Byrne is right, this is third world. There's just some of the comments in relation to Alina's story earlier on. Now, I'm looking down <clears throat> into Patrick Street. Uh, it's quietish at the moment. There's cars, there's buses, there's taxis, there's a couple of vans and uh, men doing all, ladies doing all they can to uh, deliver the goods in the city. But there's a young lady out there at the moment probably stuck in traffic or sitting behind the wheel and she's extremely frustrated the way people are driving in the city at the moment. Sarah, good morning. Hi, how are you? What's wrong, Sarah? What's what's on your mind? Why are you boggled? What's upsetting you? No... The thing that annoys me is I think there's zero to no training whatsoever uh, given to uh, car drivers doing their test on how to drive when, like, there's larger vehicles on the road. Say, for instance, you're driving along and a car will just come out in front of you. They have absolutely no awareness of how much it takes to slow down our vehicle or to come to an abrupt stop. Like, they're taking unnecessary risks. Are, you, are, you, saying, are you saying learner drivers? No, not learner drivers. Everybody in general, I don't... There's no training whatsoever. They don't know anything about larger vehicles and what it takes for us to kind of slow down. Like, we leave a gap for a reason. 
Are you are you a truck driver? Yeah. Okay. So you you're you're there in your Arctic, whatever the case may be, your lorry, and you're fed up of other motorists and the way they're behaving. Yeah, the sheer disregard for uh, truck drivers. Like, they are just continuously trying to get ahead of us the whole time. For what, like, a couple of minutes? Is that worth risking your kid's life in the back of your car that we're looking in on top of? Like, it's terrible. Is it happening often? Yeah, all all the time. All the time. Especially uh, peak traffic, say, heading towards the tunnel and everything. You try and leave the gap. And, yeah, they'll just come straight in front of you and emergency stop con- uh, constantly. And are, 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 I'm going to get shot for this. Who are the biggest offenders, men or women? Uh, I, I couldn't say. I'd say 50-50. Okay, fair enough. A hundred percent. There's no real... I, I couldn't turn around and say men are the worst or women. They're, they're both just as bad as each other. They're, the risks people are taken and there's constant crashes on these roads in the exact same spots like. And is this happening um, lately or has it been happening all of the time in the last number of years or is it just say in the last 12 months? Because I have come across people who say that people's um, habits, they've changed since COVID, since lockdown, people were trapped and now they're out and they're, they're free. Yeah, I, I find a lot of aggression on the road. A hell of a lot of aggression. Like, it's like people are leaving us until last minute to get on the road, and it's just the, the hell for leather then. And to hell with anybody who's in the way. Zigzagging in and out of traffic, making unnecessary... Um, Maneuvers. Yeah, and it like... There's so many crashes lately. I, I think within the last four months now, take the N25, say, from Middleton, just before the Middleton roundabout, and all the way up past Douglas to the Kinsale roundabout, there is consistently crashes, and there shouldn't be. Do you know what I mean? But I've seen the traffic jams. I mean, people are at their ends with wit's end. I mean, it is absolutely frightening what's going on out there at the moment. People are caught up morning, noon and night in tailbacks. This city is coming to a standstill and people have just had enough of being caught up in it, um, Sarah. Oh, 100%. I agree with that. But you know that. You know that every day when you wake up and that's what you're going to hit. Do you know what I mean? There's there's no magic miracle to it. You know that, right, if I go out at this time of the, the morning, I'm going to hit all this traffic. So is it time for people to leave 5, 10, 15 minutes earlier from here on? Would that, would that what will help? Well, a, a lot more education on um, and awareness of the traffic around you. Like, um, a lot more awareness on driving in different weather conditions. Like, people are just driving at a speed where they're not skilled enough to drive. But we we are living in a different world to that of 20 years ago. We're now living in a rat race where people have to get from A to B uh, quicker than ever. But at the cost of somebody's life? Like, that's what it is. Leave the 15 minutes early. 
you're literally putting people's lives at risk because this erratic driving is just unbelievable. When was the last time you did a driving test? I mean, you did your driving test when? When did you pass? When did you get a license? Oh, my car test, I'd say, over... Um, would have been 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And like yourself, I'm, I'm, I'm driving uh, 30 years and I have my licence and that's the last time I did a test. So, should there be a situation where someone has to reset a test every five years because of the environment we're living in? The, the roads are busier, there's more people on the road. I'd, maybe not so much a test, but I mean, truck drivers have to do CPCs every year. What's CPCs? CPCs are, are basically uh, modules uh, that affect all different, whether it be uh, the types of food you're eating, your brakes, everything like that. We do a module every year and we keep up to date on like everything that's going on around us. Um, th- there has to be more learning. I mean, you take the the um, the car test, for instance. Mm-hmm. Is there any training on uh, driving by night? Are there any tests done at night? It's it's a great, I think it's a great point. I don't think there are. There's absolutely nothing. You might be a great driver during the day, and you go out driving at night and completely appalling. That's a very, very interesting point, honestly. Um, like, so is it time for uh, to look at the legislation and to go back to the drawing board, really? I mean, the way you're talking, I think it is. Look, from what I see, there's going to be more and more and more people getting hurt. And it's down to a lack of education. It really is. I mean... I get it on a daily basis where cars will just come straight out in front of you. They've no awareness of the speed we're travelling, the weight we're carrying, anything. They just take their chances. How big is the wagon you're uh, uh, sitting in? Uh, I'm in uh, rigid. So I'm carrying stone the whole time. I've I've always got uh, full weight on board. I think you're talking about me there, Sarah. You stones. I have plenty of stones spare. You know, <laughs> I could shed a few of them in the, <laughs> on the road. Feel, or Sarah, can I ask you though, in relation to the city centre, um, there's bicycle lanes there at the moment, bigger than racetracks in Mandelo Park, and cars are finding it extremely difficult to get through the city centre, to get through you know roads out to Douglas, down to Black Rock, over to Montanati, up to Mayfield. I mean, it's a cyclist's world at the moment, I think. I mean, everything is being put in place for the cyclist. Are motorists extremely angry because of the size of the roads? There, There's less and less traffic lanes to get from A to B in this day and age. That's just it, exactly. And there again, it's pushing the trucks out to have to take two, li- two lanes which is aggravating uh, the driver of a car behind Mm -hmm. because they don't understand that we need that extra space. I don't know how many times he gets slashed and beeped at on a daily basis because you have to actually take that couple of inches of their lane so you're not going to crush them or you can take the turn. 
who ever came up with the idea of drive up Merchant's Quay and you can't turn right onto Patrick Street or you go down Lavitt's Quay you can't turn right onto Christie Ring Bridge the buses can I mean what is the sense in that you're out there every day and the taxi drivers my heart bleeds for these taxi drivers and people who are trying to make a living around the city at the moment it, it's, it's hell on earth honestly and it's all down to trying to keep the traffic out but at the end of the day it, it's totally unrealistic. I it mean, w- would you say the city officials should come over, spend a day or two around the city, drive around and see how bad it is? Oh, sure, look. When we're talking to the wall. Turned, if went, yeah. When the officials turned around and blocked off one of the main roads and caused carnage the other day, like... <laughs> I, I, I was in town there the other morning and I know it's only we're kind of sidetracking slightly but um, the the streets are closed off to traffic after 11 o'clock every morning. I parked in I think it's Malibur Street or Cook Street, one of the side streets and I went back to um, to the car about 10 to 11 sat down but I was hoping to go to a shop in Patrick Street before I moved out and um, purchase something. Traffic warden came along just after 11 o'clock and asked me to move on. I did so. He was doing his job. I have no problem whatsoever. But I was ready to spend money in the city centre. Instead, I was forced out of the city centre. I went to Mahan Point and spent my money out there. Um, I mean, do you find that you're up against it as well, you know, stopping off, delivering in the city centre? Oh, 100%. Um, Like... Uh, say Carol's Key car park. Carol's Key? Yeah. Yeah. Um, across from there is a construction site and um, trying to get down there in the first place without people undertaking you was mayhem. But then because it's such a small site, you, you're blocking traffic and you end up having to drive around in circles constantly. And there was a time where McCartan Street was completely blocked off, or the, an entry into McCartan Street, and the, there wasn't signage to say it. So here I am in a truck, and just where the hell am I meant to go now? And they say they're doing this for the betterment of the city, but it's going to take a long time if that's the case, do you think? It will take a long time, but I think... Like, why can't a lot of this be done by night? Yeah. But when there is less traffic, why can't a lot of it be done during the night time or, like, times where it's not as busy? All right. Okay. Listen, Sarah, thanks for your call. Great points, honestly. Fantastic. And stay safe on the roads, will you, please? No problem. Thanks. God bless. I want to go to uh, the next line. Uh, John, good morning. Good morning, Paul. Nice to speak with you again. You too. John, half a million euros spent, of, was a taxpayer's money, spent in, um, d- dished out in the States yesterday. Yeah, well, I seen that on the boys and girls of Knocker page there, James Toomey put up last night, Paul. And when I looked at it first, I thought it was 50,000. And I kind of said to myself, here we go again, until I looked at it again properly. And it's actually half a million and I can't get my head around it because um, sport in Ireland is struggling all over, especially minority sports, you know. So for and the listeners, there's 
the th- our Taoiseach, uh, Michal Martin, Tánaiste in the States yesterday and I believe he allocated a half a million euro for the revamp of the New York GAA Stadium. Yeah, that's correct. And the GAA are already funding two million themselves into it. So the fact that, no, that there's 500,000 being put into it, it just seems like a big waste of money, Paul, when there's so many clubs and sports in Ireland that could really benefit from that kind of money. Are you involved in a local GA club? Well, I actually am, yeah. One of my lads goes to Grenada there, and he's involved with that there. And, um, like, you have the likes of Grenada, you, not just Grenada, but, and, like, whether it's a GA club, but my, my lads are in soccer clubs. Um, I was in weightlifting clubs myself. Um, it's, it's all over the country, Paul. I mean, like, you have clubhouses there around Ireland that are falling down, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you have so, facilities some, in there. Some of them are just absolutely the pitch. Yeah, yeah I'm glad you said it there now because some of them there are, when you go in, even outside, they look derelict, but when you go in, the showers are poor, you wouldn't have a shower in there. In fact, if I, I could be wrong here now, but I think I remember, do you know the women's soccer team? Mm-hmm. I think I remember they were saying a few years back they barely had the facilities to change. If you had, I know they're pumping a half a million into the New York Stadium, just say for Agnes' sake, just say even five grand, what difference would it make to one of the clubs you're involved in? Well, firstly, uh, it would make a huge difference to the, the exterior. You could, you could paint it up immediately. And then inside, you could do, you could retile, you, you could do, um, you could do the flooring. I mean, simple, if 5,000 power would go a long way. And I suppose and we, we have to invest in our children on, in sports, don't we? We have to, because Paul, it's, again, it's all about mental health and the children, when they get involved in sports from five and six years of age, it's what gives them the confidence. It's, you know, it's the belief. And like, the, the, what, what I don't like about Ireland is we, we do things, but, it's, it's kind of on an amateur level. We, we never seem to be able to get past the line. Like I said with the women's football there, it was like no change, no proper change in facilities. There's no funding. Can, can I give an example there? Do you know Ryan Sheen? He's from Nakhnehini. He's a Muay Thai boxer. Right. And he will be in Thailand tomorrow representing Ireland, representing Cork. Um, world champion, world title. Millions and millions of people will be watching. And from what I gather, he practically has... No funding whatsoever. And he's flying the flag for Ireland tomorrow? And he's flying the flag for Ireland tomorrow. And over there, he's fighting in their home turf against a local fella. And it's a, it's, it's a world title fight. And we don't even hear it on mainstream media. And that's what I'm saying. You have the likes of Michal Martin here. And you see him there on his photo. And he's smiling with over the, the lads in New York. And like, it is the people here. Like boxing then. Boxing is very underfunded in its own way as well. And, like, I, I couldn't get my head around it when I seen 500,000. I just, you know, sports in Ireland. Athletics, mm-hmm. you know, we need, we need to be pumping. And as you said, there, if you put 5,000 into each club, that's 100 clubs in Ireland that would benefit. Yeah, very much so. It's. I mean, I, I have a young fella and he plays for Airog and we we go often, you know, visiting other clubs. And again, like earlier this morning, I, I mentioned, I mean, some of them are just, there are cleaner um, amenity sites. There's cleaner dumps. I remember the dump in the Kinsale Road many, many years ago. And some of the, the, the changing rooms in these places are worse than any of the dumps years ago. 
They are, yeah, they are they dangerous. Are, they're yeah. not fit for purpose. I mean, they're, no, they're I, not. I, I they're not. Think some of them are a health hazard. They, they actually are. And I, I won't name them out now because no, no. obviously you, you couldn't. But I've been in some there and I'm telling you, you know, you just couldn't have a shower in there, Paul. And as I said, 5,000 there or even 10,000 to redo up these clubs all over. What a massive difference it would make. But, like, I think it makes us look bad because in Ireland we neglect, we neglect sports. And as I said, especially minority sports. Yet then, over here in the States, a state-of-the-art facility, 6.2 million pumped in, and they're saying it's going to be 21,000 square feet and you're going to have all restaurants in there changing facilities. And we, we have nothing. Listen, before I let you go, John, um, give me Ryan Sheehan. Where's he from again? What club? He's from Nocknahini. So um, I, I presume Nocknahini club up there, I presume. And he's kickboxing, is it? He's Muay Thai kickboxing and he'll be representing Ireland. I think it's tomorrow he's fighting and it be great for him to get a shout out. How old is he? Um, he's a young lad in his 20s. Fair play to him. Well, Ryan Sheehan, on behalf of everybody here in Cork, we wish you the best of luck tomorrow. Go in there, give it your all, and um, wouldn't it be great to w- a win on St. Patrick's Day and all? Special day. It would be brilliant. It would be right. fantastic. I'm delighted you called and gave us his name, and if his family are listening, tell, tell them to tell Ryan, everybody here in Cork is rooting for him. Thanks for that, Paul. John thanks Morgan, very much. Good morning, and thanks for your call. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is uh, Paul Byrne filling in here today for PJ Coogan. Looking around the studio, there are one, two, three, four, five, five microphones. And um, there's a young lady on the line called Sarah who will be eventually holding a microphone in her hand pretty, pretty soon. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Going to the chapel and you're <laughs> going to get married. Do you know what? I keep actually forgetting about it and someone says it to me and I'm like, oh yeah, what about that? <laughs> when are you getting married? August. And why? <laughs> I know. That I think that every day. I, you know what? I actually was only making a joke about it last week that um, literally with the organising point of view, um, I'm going to thank myself in my speech, I've decided, <laughs> because... The groom is getting away with murder and I'm sure I'm not the only person that's ever been in that position, I'll tell you that. (laughs) So you are going to make a speech. In other words, you're going to be wearing the trousers in the relationship for the entire Mm -hmm. uh, marriage. Yeah. You know what, Paul? I was thinking about it, right? And I, so three of my best friends are all married. And at their weddings, none of them said a speech. And um, they had one representative, let's say, from their side. And then the groom had two, three 
four, one of them had four people on the groom's side that stood up and said a speech. And afterwards, two of them actually said to me, I regret not saying something on my wedding day. It was very unevenly represented. And it was never, it never crossed my mind that I wouldn't have a speech myself. You but know? you see, on the day, the men are in particular the groom. He says what he can on the day because that's the last time he'll ever get a word in, in the marriage. <laughs> Well, you haven't met my fella. He doesn't shut up. <laughs> but I, 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 I was, know, I I was just... bought a muzzle, actually, on the day of my wedding. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> How's that going for you? <laughs> Listen to me. So you're taking over. You're going to be the boss and you're standing up there with the microphone in your hand. Have you the speech yeah. prepared? Um, I have a very good idea of what I'm going to say. Um, I'm not going to do, like, obviously I'm going to, you know, thank my parents, thank the usual bridesmaids, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then I have a few little kind of ideas um, that I've thought of. I just don't know how I'm going to utilize them yet, um, but it won't be your typical speech, to be honest, I think. Um, and I know, like, so there's me and my dad from my side, and then on his side, there's him, his uh, brother and the best man. Now, um, the only reason we're having his brother really is his parents are passed away. So we just wanted right. someone from his family, you know, to say the few words. But um, yeah, so I think I'm going to be second to speak. We're doing it kind of uh, differently to how it normally is. We're going to do the bride and groom first and then have uh, the other family members in. So your dad first? Yeah. And he'll introduce you? Yeah. All right. And how long do you think your speech will take? <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure. It depends. Um, I wouldn't say long. I'm not one for listening to, you know, like I've been at weddings and some of the speeches have gone on for over three hours. I am just, I think that oh, is Jesus. like no one really remembers them unless it's something outrageous that was said in that case it was something outrageous and we were all shocked and horrified but um you know I just think there's no need I think people are hungry and I think just get on with it have a bit of fun and so I would say under five minutes anyway definitely and I think we're going to be telling everyone else to kind of keep it short as well the groom's already said to me he's three minutes tops so um that should be <laughs> in and out quite quickly I'd imagine we know it's three minutes of speech is it all right yeah you're in and out yeah. okay mm -hmm. tell me this Sarah <laughs> You know where I'm going. Sarah, I was at a wedding once and the groom stood up for his speech and he just said, thank you. And sat back oh. down. Well, look, each to their own, Paul. I was at a wedding and the groomsman decided to praise the groom on every escapade he'd had prior to the bride. So look. That's tacky, isn't it? <laughs> It is tacky. And we all were mortified. And considering the father of the groom said a beautiful, or the father of the bride said a beautiful speech beforehand, and then it just really lowered the tone and everyone was allergic and it just wasn't, you know, having to sit through it as well, it just made everyone a bit uncomfortable and it's just not a nice position to be put in, you know. Um, and he thinks then he's the funny man, doesn't he? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think, look, if you're going to do things a little bit different, like, why not? You know, um, I'm also thinking of having both parents walk me down the aisle rather than just my dad. And I know it's people beautiful. have a problem with, um, you know, uh, the, the whole idea of your dad giving you away. But I'm not thinking of it like that. I'm just thinking, why not? They can both come down the aisle with me. You know, they both reared me. So why not? Well, he's not giving you, he's just lending you for a couple of years, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. <laughs>
<laughs> He'll always be there when the car needs fixing and things like that. <laughs> a call in here says, um, I was at a wedding once, the groom stood up, I'll keep it short, he says, and sat back down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> see, I love things like that too, though. <laughs> and it doesn't surprise me with some grooms, to be honest, because the involvement, I swear, um, it's it's minimal. I think there's a lot of pressure put on brides for the organising and stuff and like, you know, it's, it's a tough slog, but you're looking to be worth it in the end. Is it the way uh, for the future that the women take back the mic? It's, I mean, it is a woman's world anyway, isn't it? <laughs> no, I don't know about that, Paul, no. <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> um, but look, I suppose if, if I think I'd encourage more people to, you know, take the mic, I suppose, at, at weddings and, you know, like just be a bit more involved and... I just think like there probably will be people that would look back and say, oh, I should have said a few words, you know, if it was unbalanced or something like that. So why not? Give it a try. And when are you getting married? August. So have you started to write a few lines? Have you something prepared? Yeah. Yeah. I have something saved on the laptop and I keep going back to it and going over it and changing it and whatever, making sure it's saved. <laughs> that happened to a friend of mine that... Um, he was the groom and the week before the wedding he X'd out of the Word document and uh, he went to save it and then the you know the way Windows does oh we're going to update now and he kept putting off the update every couple of days and was like oh I'll update it whenever and yeah the computer updated he never got to save it and he lost the entire thing so he was absolutely distraught and he hadn't sent it to anyone or you know what I mean because you just wouldn't like but um yeah, so I have that anxiety as well, but saved anyway for now on the desktop. <laughs> There's a, a, a young lady I know, uh, Geraldine Hassett, and she helps people with speeches and what have you like that for Best Man Speech. Uh, speech and Rhyme, I think, is her, her company. I mean, obviously, Sarah, you'll have no problem putting words together. But is it something that people, if they are nervous, that they should go away and um, get some help with Absolutely. putting it together? Absolutely. I would 100% do it. And I think like even people, you know, like I think practicing it as well. A lot of people have said that's really important to practice it, like read it out loud to yourself and, you know, even put it on like little flashcards if you can make them kind of pretty for the day or whatever. um, And just keep going over and over it. And at the end of the day, everyone who is at the wedding is there because, you know, they they love you and they want you to, you know, have a happy life together. So you just have to think in your head, you know, everyone is here for us and you're talking to them all the time anyway so just think that you know they're all just listening to you and you're having a chat <laughs> that's what I'm thinking anyway <laughs> lovely stuff and um, your husband to be what's his name Con Con okay well yeah. Con and Sarah we wish you many many years of happiness uh, next August and uh, what date in August the 8th 8th of August alright listen yeah. send us a slice of wedding cake will you no problem at all. all right. <laughs> Thanks a million, Paul. Lovely talking to you. And honestly, I think you're an inspiration for other ladies. Get up there, get the mic. It's a, it's you know, go back, do what you want to do. Take the mic from the man, and give us a great speech on the day. Sarah Khan, many, many, many years Absolutely. together. Thanks for talking to us. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork 96 FM. 
Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork's 96 FM. And uh, this is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ Coogan today. I'm looking at an energy bill here totaling €1,231.26. That's €1,231.26. Mick Moriarty, the Baldy Barber, good morning. Good morning, Paul. That's your energy bill for electricity. For what period? Eight weeks. From Eight the, weeks. the 30th of December to the 2nd of March. And what was it this time, at that time last year? Oh, about 400. Jeez. The bill, the bill before that was 237. And the bill before that was 398 euro. How many heads, uh, how many heads do you have to sit into the shop to pay for that bill? For that, well, it's a, six, a 16 euro haircut. I'd have to do, I suppose, 80, 80 haircuts, I suppose. You know? Make and I've been on to the broker and I asked what it was because I was also talking to another local businessman who got a whopper of a bill as well. And he was advised by his broker just to see out because we were out of contract. I had the previous rates at 29 cents. And and uh, it just cost me in the bones of nine hundred euro extra. And I asked him what way were we going forward for the next bill? And he said the next bill, if he says cut down, he says with the heat, the the, the warm weather coming into his guide, it might be eight twenty. And Mick, in in commercial, twenty nine cent a unit. Are you paying more than a private homeowner? I'm going up to go up to forty five cent now. Forty five. Yeah. That's my contract down. So, like, it, it is frightening. Like, I mean, I didn't last week I got my rates bill, and I'd be lying to my insurance company about what will the insurance be up in three weeks' time, over two thousand. You already said for uh, my insurance for this year, which was uh, fourteen hundred and eighty last year, and the rates are nearly fifteen hundred. So that's uh, three nice bills to get in in the space in a couple of days. And with know? those bills coming through the letterbox, Mick, what do you say to yourself? I mean, you're along, how many years are you in business now? 57 and the 13th of March. Started about 57 here. Okay, the postman comes, he drops the post, what do you say? Oh, you're, I, I, was, I, I, got a, I actually got a phone call last Tuesday week, Paul, from Borgash, and the guy was nice, John, he said, to, he said yeah, look, he said, there's a bill there coming forward to you. You've never failed to, to miss a payment, he says, down through the years, but this is a whopper because you were out of contract. And I said, how much? He said, between 1200 and $1,300. That's why I noticed at the moment. I actually thought it was a scam, and I rang back, uh, yeah, what to call it, the Borgash in the afternoon, and the lady from Kilargan said to me, she said, no, she said, that's your bill, she said. So I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Make like, like homeowners, um, commercial sector, you're, you're, you are receiving the €200 Euro credit, aren't you? Uh, I, I, that's gone now as far as I know with us. But you did receive the, the, the Oh, I did, credits. I did, I did. That's how, that's how the last one was only 237 It OK, but like, it, has, it made a, has, has it made a difference? Uh, for, for the 200 that you got off the government, which was fantastic, it made a fierce difference. 
But like we're down 35% Paul since we came back to business after COVID since the 10th of May a year and a half ago and business is down 35%. Last Friday at half past 12 three of us working we had four haircuts done between us and that is has been a regular for the last uh, couple of Fridays. For six weeks in a row Paul my staff got their payment they got all the wages the whole lot I got 200 a week after lodging my money into the bank to pay my bills for so for six weeks. Lucky enough that I have the oldest pension. But that's what I got. Do you feel is, my is, staff is it worth it any that, longer, Mick? Well, one of my staff said to me, he's, and he's here with me a long time, and he said, I couldn't blame him. He says, if you put it up for sale. Because he says he's never seen it so bad in, in his whole life. I remember with Paul when we came back, and... We had four walking chairs and I had five barbers mm-hmm. with myself. And we had to take out one walking chair, which put me down 25% straight away. I had eight waiting chairs. I had to take out five because you could only have one customer waiting for each barber. Mm-hmm. So it was 14 euro a haircut. And that meant then I could only do two haircuts in the hour, 20 minutes, you five minutes to clean the chair and let your staff come back. That meant I was only another 42 euro an hour. Oh, and then I had to put up the price of the haircut. And he had a, a, one of our local TDs here on the north side cribbing. He said I put up the price of the haircut by 33 and a third, which he was wrong. It, it wasn't 33 and a third because from 14 up to 16. Oh, right. like, and, I, and I couldn't believe when he stood in the shop and said it, you put up your prices. And then he goes out campaigning for a living wage. I just couldn't believe it. Like, oh, But right. people don't realise how, how tough things are. All right. And I'm, and I'm not the only one. I know, you're, I was just going to say, you're not the only one. In all businesses, uh, everybody's feeling the pinch at the moment. Mick, listen, oh, thanks for pinch. taking the call. We wish you well. Uh, thank but you, look, Paul, Mick, for highlighting it. Not thank at you, all, Mick. Pleasure. That's Mick, Cheers, the body bye. barber. Bye. But Mick, remember, bye. Mick, remember, yes, you have an advantage to most people. Look at the amount of money you save in shampoo. When was the last time you had to buy a bottle of shampoo for yourself? Go on, yeah, but I, have to, I have to buy a shabby every month. Go on, good luck. <laughs> Mick Moriarty, the Baldy Barber, thanks for talking to us. Good morning. Listen, tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. What do we think of St. Patrick? People out having fun, lots of fun. Do we think of leprechauns? Kevin, good morning. Hi, hi Paul. How are you? Kevin Woods, are you a leprechaun? Or have you seen leprechauns? Can you talk to leprechauns? Are they real? Yeah. Oh, they're real, yes. Yes, and I can I, I can talk to them, um, Paul. I'm, the, I'm, I'm known as Ireland's last leprechaun whisperer. I speak to them. You talk to leprechauns. Do they talk back to you? Oh, they do, yes, yes. Um, I can give you some background to 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 how how it came about, if it's any good to you. Yeah, when did you first meet your first leprechaun? Well, the story started thirty six years ago. Uh, a local man heard a scream coming from the Cooley Mountains. He went up to investigate, and when he got up there, he didn't find any. He couldn't find anything. All he found was that the ground the ground was covered or burned, and in the middle of the burning, he, he found what he said was a leprechaun suit with some bones and four pieces of gold in the pocket of it. He brought it down 36 years ago. He showed it to me, and he told me he thought that leprechauns lived on the Cooley Mountains. I told him that was rubbish. There was no such thing, and I'd mm-hmm. prove it to him. 
I said I'd get as many people up on the mountain on one day as I could, and we would search it from top to bottom. And if we found one or saw one, I'd believe, but I'd have to see one before I'd believe. So to get the people up there 36 years ago, I hid 4,000 punts, the way at the time, mm-hmm. along the brow of the mountain or the top of the mountain. And I I, uh, I put a 1,000 pounds under four toy leprechauns, and I sold leprechaun hunting licenses for a tenor. You're a and good on salesman. The day of the mountain, well, the mountain was black with people. They came in their thousands with leprechaun traps. And when they came off the mountain, they caught nothing except the 4,000 punts and the four toy leprechauns, and I made 8,000 for me day. <laughs> but <laughs> the man died. You can see that, by the way. It's on YouTube. If yeah. you're going to Carlingford Leprechaun Hunt, you can see it on YouTube. But the, the man died uh, six years later, and I subsequently found the four pieces of gold again in a wall beside the house and brought them up the mountain to where I met, saw three leprechauns whom I couldn't communicate with and who disappeared under the ground. I was I was frozen to the spot. And subsequently, and back up to see, could I see them again? And I saw one, and he, he, uh, he told me his name. I was able to talk to him and communicate with him. He was His name was uh, Carrick. It was the Gaelic name for rock. Yeah. yeah. He, he told me there were only 236 left in the whole of Ireland. And he asked me, could I get them protected as a species? And I said, I do what I could. And I lobbied the European Union for four years, five, six years. And I finally got them protected as a species by the European Union in 2009 under the European Habitats Directive that protects flora, fauna and wild animals. You and know, you know, you know, and I, I say this with respect. There's people listening to this this morning. They're saying you've spoken to leprechauns. They'll say the man needs to talk to a psychiatrist. Isn't bad, absolutely. And Have you any photographs them. of yourself and <laughs> leprechauns? No, look. This may change the tone of the of the story. Leprechauns are spirits. Mm-hmm. They manifest themselves to me as leprechauns. The people that are skeptical may see them as fairies and may see them as angels or see them in whatever form the leprechauns, as I see them, want to show themselves to me. So and what do you talk about mad, when you meet a leprechaun? What do you talk about? I, when I don't meet them, I can... <laughs> Did you ever have an out-of-body experience? Okay, when they, when they appear in front of you, whatever. What, what what do you chat about? We chat about anything that's going on in the community and anything that's going on in the world that they don't know about. There was one time there, there were... They told me the story of their lives, and I published it in a book in 2009 called The Last Leprechauns of Ireland, which was based on the social mythological and social history, geological history of Ireland from the beginning of time until now. So they've been here from the beginning of time, so there's plenty to talk about. And again, to the disbelievers, you tell them, look at your website, you know, study it. Well, there was a guy here with me, um, there was a guy here with me uh, three weeks ago. I didn't know who he was. He told me his name was Isaiah Photo. And I had never heard of it, but one of my one, one I hadn't I had never heard of him, but my my grandchild heard about him, mm-hmm. 
and apparently he was a YouTuber. And I've just looked. He's put. He did a, a, a piece with me on the leprechauns and the story that I'm telling you now, yeah. and he put it up on YouTube under. I forget what he put it up under now. He put it up under. I survived the place leprechauns live. <laughs> Listen to me, and it's up there, and it's up to six hundred thousand views this morning after four after four days. Four days. So, for all the people that don't believe, talk to the European Union. I had twenty four members of the European Union sat here with me four years ago, including Sean Kelly. Or Sean Kelly, Sean uh, Kelly, from, yeah, 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 former president of the GA. From the, there, yeah, GA. He was here. All right. Uh, Marie McGuinness was here. And they've invited me over tomorrow, over to St. Patrick's Day, to talk to Dermot O'Leary, I think another Cork man. An Irishman, and Alison Hammond morning. as well on this morning's programme. The, 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 morning program. uh, tomorrow morning tomorrow at 10 o'clock. St. Patrick's Day. Listen, I wish you the very best of luck on your trip. It's been fascinating. Unfortunately, yeah. we're caught for time. Kevin's, uh, Kevin see. Woods and his website is thelastleprechaunsofireland.com. Uh, it makes for fascinating uh, reading his website. I enjoyed looking into it, Kevin. And um, Oh, you had yes. Thanks, John. Yeah, brilliant. No, Lovely no to talk to you and a happy St. Patrick's Day. Up the Irish. God bless. Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With the Cork City Marathon Take on your next challenge this June By running solo or with a team Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM The lines are live Join the conversation Call 0818 96 96 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Cork's 96 FM And this is Paul Byrne into the final hour of the Opinion Line Now from Cork all the way to New York And the Gabby Cabby Patrick, Peter Franklin. Peter, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Live from the streets of New York. What is it like over there and what time is it at the moment, buddy? Well, it's... it's. A, I mean, people are aware of the fact that it's St. Patrick's Day parade and, and people dress up and put on some green and what have you. Because after all, keep in mind, New York City was really built by the Irish, so everything you look at or see on a day like is, you know, is, it is the day indeed. And for those of us who, well, I, I was in New York for St. Patrick's Day many, many years ago, but for those of people who weren't lucky enough to ever experience, describe the atmosphere. What is it like to be in New York on St. Patrick's Day, and in particular if you're Irish? Yeah, well, everybody likes to play that they are Irish. You know, this is the day for the Irish. So, People will be wearing green and celebrating and what have you. But New York is so big and so large and so boisterous that on a day like this, you can have St. Patrick's Day, St. Patrick's Day Parade, and it's just another day in New York City. Do you enjoy it, Peter? I I enjoy everything about this city. I love this city. And on a day like this, it's an extra special day indeed. And do you love being with the Irish on St. Patrick's Day? Yes, especially because they're so pretty. <laughs> and that's just the blokes. <laughs> Peter, tell me, what is it like in, in the taxi business in the States at the moment? Um, 
well, I don't know about the rest of the the city, but the city itself. It's 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 busy. It's always busy. Something's always doing. Something's going on. But today, <clears throat> where you might go to certain areas, which are the let's say the Irish areas, you still have a life beyond, besides that. So you could be two blocks away from where the parade is, and you say, "Gee, is there something special about today?" Oh yeah, yeah. It's the Irish. It's the Irish. So you'll have the parade. You'll have the celebration, but at the same time, the city will go on today. But will you be extra busy? I mean, will you be doing guided tours for Irish people? Yeah, yeah, that happens. But, you know, New York is so busy is that you might say to somebody on the street, um, look how crowded it is. Gee, is something going on today? Oh, yeah, St. Patrick's. We're so big and so large that it's just one part of the day. And the Irish themselves, what do you think they get out of it? Because I think you, you know, in Ireland you can be here in Cork and celebrating St. Patrick's Day, but is there a special buzz, an extra buzz to it if you're Irish and in, in your, you're in New York on that day? Do you think the Irish become more Irish than they already are? Yeah, and everybody tries to be Irish. You, you put on some green, you go to the parade, so you definitely are aware of the fact that St. Patrick's Day is a big deal in New York City, and always has. Of course, along with the pandemic and everything, has kept it kind of calm in the years gone by. So I would say today it would be pretty close to being normal, if such a thing is possible, about New York City. Are the Americans down on their hands and knees and extremely grateful to the Irish for building America, to building New York? For those of us who know the history of the city, we're aware of the fact that the city was indeed built by the Irish. I mean, that was a huge immigration at the turn of the century. But then, of course, there'll be a lot of people turn around and say, St. Patrick's Day? What's St. Patrick's Day? Who's St. Patrick's Day? Why are we celebrating? So it's a, it's a happy day, it really And tell me this. The, the the if you were if if you were from Cork or from Ireland and you're in the New York, where would you take me tomorrow if I wanted a tour? Well, uh, the tour that I would give you would be everything to do with the Irish, and I mean, for instance, the Brooklyn Bridge. You'd want to walk across that because after all, that was built by the British and the Irish and all the Europeans who came to New York City. So. I, 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 I guess I would concentrate on Irish things today more than anything else. And tell me, is this your first St. Patrick's Day parade uh, pre-COVID or post-COVID? Yeah, kind of. Right? I mean, there's always been a little bit of it. But I think today, and we'll know that by the end of the day, they'll come out with some statistics and they'll say, gee, they had so many thousands of people watching the parade. This will be the biggie compared to the last few years. And do you yourself, before you take people maybe on a few guided tours, do you go in and have a look? Do you get to, a chance to sample the atmosphere? Well, uh, I have my finger on the uh, the pulse of the, the city. And uh, I know that it's a St. Patrick's Day parade and things are going on and they paint the green strip up to the would so people know it. And I'm aware of it, and I would sort of concentrate, if I were giving you a tour, 
Gee, can you get here fast enough? Maybe take a tour. Is it a day that you look forward to, St. Patrick's Day? Yes. Or is it just another day for a cabbie? No. There is no such thing as just another day in New York City. Each and every day is spectacular. So there'll be something spectacular today, and I'll just have to talk to you later to let you know what it was. Your president is coming to Ireland uh, next month. Um, how do you feel about the America and the way it, uh, things are being run over there at the moment? Oh, we have tremendous controversy. Yeah, I mean, and New Yorkers are very passionate. Uh, if you say the president, you either love him or you hate him. There's no in-between. And, of course, right now we're having the banking problem where they're worried about some of our larger banks are going to go bust. We're having all kinds of economic problems. We don't have the tourism that we would have normally, so it's a little bit of a, a little bit of an injection. It brings a little bit more spirit today. And do you think if those banks are going bust, there's just two of them, you know, going bust at the moment? Is it the start of a dom? Will there be a domino effect? Is it the start of many banks going to the wall? No, New York always manages to bounce back. So whatever problems and troubles we're having in the banking business, they'll work about to save it. And also, we have something here which is called the FDIC, where your account up to a quarter of a million dollars is protected by the government. So the fat cats aren't going to lose anything on it, but it has everybody a little bit nervous because you want to be able to go to the bank today and get your money. And by and large, unless something else happens, you can. So you're feeling safe. The Gabby Cabby's money is safe, is it? <laughs> well, I don't have to worry because I, my, my money in the bank is insured up to a quarter of a million dollars. And since I don't have a quarter <laughs> of a million dollars, I got no worry. Fair play to you. Listen, Peter Franklin, the Gabby Cabby, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I, 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 lo- I love your work. You really are the eyes and ears for, for everybody in Cork. Uh, you're the eyes and ears of, for us over there in New York. Stay safe and Thanks. may the luck of the Irish stay with you, my man. Oh, I love the way you said that. Top of the morning to you. Good luck. Good luck. That's uh, the Gabby, Gabby Cabby, Peter Franklin in New York, a wonderful man. There are, of course, many St. Patrick's events uh, across the globe all this week as people celebrate their Irishness. And uh, Sheila Cassidy is the chairperson of the Queen of Detroit United Irish Societies. She's living in a place called, I know there's, we are living in Cork, but Sheila tells us she's living in Corktown. Sheila, there is only one Cork. Good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. Sheila, tell me, I'm Cork. I'm Cork. What are you doing? You're robbing Cork. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, let, let me tell you, as you well know, many, many people immigrated from County Cork to the States and several of them continued on a train and landed in a little area in Detroit. And from that immigration and a large amount of immigration from Cork, the neighborhood actually changed to Cork Town, Detroit, Michigan because there were so many from Cork there. And how so, are you living there? What's the, what's the population over there, and what's the population of the, the many people from Cork are living there? You know, I couldn't even give you, begin to give you that number because they, they have kept coming over, and some of them have dispersed to little other, other suburbs of Detroit area and Livonia and other parts of the, the suburbs of Detroit. But I can tell you one thing. 
you won't find it hard to find anyone of Irish descent or from Ireland, no matter what corner you turn over here in Detroit area. We're all over the place. You are, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And are the Cork people, I mean, they've made it their home. Are they settling in well? Are they well respected? Are they contributing to the society? Oh, 100%. I can say 100%. I can, I can tell you back in the 50s, most, most importantly, early 40s, 50s, many came over here from Ireland. And, and it was all parts of Ireland, including my father came over in the 50s. He was from Monaghan. My grandparents came over and they were from Cork area. Um, and, and I guess it's kind of like back in Ireland, it's where are you from and, and your place is better than anyone else's. And that same camaraderie is over here. Oh, no, no, I'm from, you know, they say, I'm from Kerry. That's the best place, the kingdom. Oh, no, no, you have to be from Cork. And, and it's, a great, it's a great representation of the Irish over here in Michigan, I can tell you. And your grandparents, you said, moved from Cork, is it? No, my grandparents were from Kerry, and my Shame father was from Monaghan. Shame on him. Shame. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> we all have crosses to bear in life. Tell me, and you know, the Irishness, and do you celebrate everything being Cork? I know we've got this, let, let's try and just give it a little mention, the Rose of Tralee, but is there any competition like that, the, the Queen of Cork or anything like that over in Detroit? Well, we have, as you've mentioned earlier, we have the Queen of the Detroit United Irish Societies, and that is a program for young women ages 17 to 23 to tell their story of their heritage, pride, culture, and traditions of the Irish community. And those that we pick a queen, and we have a first and a second runner-up, which win a monetary award. And the queen is awarded a trip to Ireland. As we say, how do you know where you're going if you don't know where you came from? So that young lady, the three ladies, will actually represent the Irish community throughout the whole year around Michigan and again in Ireland. So that's our bit of... A fraction of the Rosa Trolley. You do know the capital of Ireland, they say, is Dublin, but the real capital of Ireland is? Of course, Cork. Well done. 10 out of 10. But tell me, have you, <laughs> have you been lucky enough to visit this wonderful city of ours? I can honestly say I've been there multiple times. I was an Irish step dancer and I represented Michigan in the All Worlds in Galway back in the 80s. And, and what I can say is there's many areas of Ireland that I feel like I'm at home. I can actually drive through the countryside, and I know where I'm going. I don't need the GPS or anything to tell me where I'm going. Um, but I've been very blessed. Um, my heritage is quite alive in, in our home. My parents raised us with your education, your faith, and your tradition, and don't be ashamed of any of it. So I've been very blessed to know my, the countrysides of Ireland very well. What do you like about Cork um, yourself? Well, you know, it's got such a buzz about it. There, there's a variety of places you can go. There's a variety of places you can see and do. And the history there with the connection with the Ford Motor Company and the Ford Motor Company over here and understanding the Henry Ford's family came from Cork. Um, and you, you know, to anywhere, you can walk in and hear Irish music. You can be on the seaside for peace and quietness in moments. You can also go shopping and get yourself in a lot of trouble. <laughs> We ever in pennies or guineas? I'll, I'll hold that to the end. <laughs> I'll say I had to buy an extra suitcase. Does that tell you? <laughs> Indeed. But tell me, um, the queens, you know, w- once they're selected, uh, they, they arrive, do they find Cork is what they expected or is it something else? Do they get a shock? I'd say a shock is the best way to say it. We've been bringing the Queen over since 2015, minus two years of um, the inability to travel. 
And what they've said to us is, my goodness, we feel like a real queen. They roll out the red carpet. When we leave Cork, we feel like we're leaving our family members behind because the welcomeness is is blown out of the water. Unless you experience it, you don't understand how well we're treated by Cork County Council. And it's not just the members that are in office at that particular year. Each and every one of them find their way back to see us while we're in Cork just to say hi and welcome us. Um, and we, we just can't get enough time in Cork. We, we're, we're up at the dawn and we're in bed at 9 o'clock at night. And come on, girls, come on, you have to see this, you have to see this. And they just are blown away. And we actually do a presentation when we come back to the States here to our Irish community, a video. And the girls are actually crying when they're telling their story because it's, it's, it's enriched their life so much. A lot of people will say, and I don't mean this, but a lot of people say that's a load of baloney. We hear the Americans coming over. Our oh God, your country is great. Your grass is green. Your water is wet. It's wonderful. But is, do they really get that excitement? Do they really go home feeling like that? A hundred percent. You know, they, we've also said that when you land in Ireland, there's, you look out that window of the air, airplane and there's no way you can describe the beauty of the land in a picture. It's all in the eyes of the beholder. Mm-hmm. And for a young girl, 18, 19 years old, to be crying when she's leaving people that she's met for the first time and and her story about, you know, they can't finish the story about going to the Blarney Castle or going down to Cove because they want to tell the next story. So I can, for a fact, tell you, I see these girls bloom with the joy and the pride after experiencing firsthand where their ancestry started. And I owe that to County Cork because they have been so, so good to the Queen of the Detroit United Irish Societies. And that started with former Mayor John Paul when he welcomed us the first time we called and said, hey, we're coming over with the Queen. Is there a chance we can have a meet and greet? And it has just bloomed from there. Sheila, if people want to find out more about the um, Detroit United States Irish Societies, how can they uh, find you? They can go on, a, of course, everyone's in the social media, so we have the Queen of the Detroit United Irish Society's Facebook page. We have our website. They can look me up on Facebook, Sheila M. Cassidy. They can look up Detroit St. Patrick's Parade. There's multiple avenues to look us up, and we'd be most willing to chit-chat with them. And when we come over in August, we'd love to re unite with a phone call or a visit into the studio and bring our Cork town back to County Cork, Ireland. Okay, we'll make it a day, Sheila, all right? Absolutely. Listen, have a wonderful St. Patrick's Day and we'll raise a toast to the uh, Irish that have made this world so prominent. Thank you very much indeed, Sheila. It's been gorgeous, lovely talking to you. And come here, when you're over, if you're here on a Tuesday, make sure you pop into Hillbilly's a snack box, two for the price of one on a Tuesday. Tell them I sent you in. Sheila Cassidy. I will do that. Enjoy your wonderful St. Patrick's Day. Lovely talking to you. That's a lovely conversation, Sheila. And we we are blessed to be Irish and even more so to be from Cork. What a wonderful experience. People, they envy the Irish. They envy everybody from Cork. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM. 
The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel... You can host a coffee break, fill a change collector box, or support your favourite sport on Jersey Day. And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise. So get planning now. Get planning now. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You make you feel only on Cork's 96FM. This is Paul Byrne filling in for PJ Coogan today. A couple of comments in relation to some of the um, items we've been covering in relation to wedding speeches. It says, Paul, I was at a wedding and the groom's best man was his twin. The best man was a big noise for a bank. He spoke for about 10 minutes about his brother and then went on to speak for about 40 minutes about how everyone attending the wedding that day should open current accounts with the bank and how their new app is groundbreaking. An interesting wedding to say the least. On the subject of GAA funding, caller says my granddaughter represented Ireland in the Taekwondo Championship held in the UK and Ireland and also in the European Championships and won the World Championships and got a bronze medal. She says not one politician ever shook her hand, had a photograph taken or did a Facebook page. They really favour the GAA. It's snobbery of a kind. On the subject of road rage, the texter says I'm texting in relation to an incident which I feel needs to be called out. My husband is 68 years of age and two of his friends, one who's blind, went for a peaceful walk down the line of the marina early morning at 8am. An electric scooter arrives and starts furiously ringing the bell. Now my husband's friend, who is completely blind, was linking him so he couldn't get out of the way. The scooter had to move slightly and was so annoyed by this that he gave the lovely blind man a slap on the head. I am so sickened by the carry-on. What has become of society? It's happy St. Patrick's Day, says the message. Tom, on the subject of road rage, I'll cut this one down a little bit. The road from going from the courthouse to the county hall is just down to one lane because of cycle lanes they built. The road is now totally inadequate. One day I came out of my office to see three managers from the council examining the traffic lanes in their area. I went up and said, at least you're doing something. Could you put another lane in place? And the truck drivers... It's on the subject of truck drivers. Paul, could you please mention to truck drivers about Arctic drivers who tailgate and try to intimidate car drivers? This is especially prevalent heading towards the tunnel where there is a 60 kilometres an hour speed limit. They're just some of the comments uh, coming in to us here at Corks 96 FM. As we know, tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day. There will be plenty of parades in and around the city and county. And it's a day that we celebrate being Irish. Chris Dorgan from Cork City Council. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good morning, Santo. And that's there why you go. We... You've already spoken more Irish this morning than you have in the last week, but you did. I did. I said my little couple of fuckle. <laughs> Chris, that's why we're here. We're talking about the use of the Irish language, and I must confess. I'd love to be able to speak it. I was able to say a few words up as far as third class, and they were on Will Cadigum Dullamachadie on Letteris. After that, once I was low low to the jacks, I stayed there, and that's as far as my Irish went. But honestly, I would love to be able to speak it. It's a wonderful language. And is it, dying, is it a dying language, Chris? Absolutely, it isn't, Paul, and that's exactly the point. Um, it today is, is Lorna Quilga. Sorry, Chris, it is or it isn't dying. No, it's not. It's, it's not. not dying. Okay. And in fact, I have, um, like yourself, I would have gone through the school system and learned Irish. But 
the the essence of the problem, uh, as myself and other people see it, was that it was taught as a subject rather than as a language. Um, when we you were uh, slightly younger than I am, Paul, if memory serves, mm-hmm. um, but certainly going through the school system, there was a huge emphasis on the technical aspects of Irish and those horrible words on Tishul Ginaduk, the genitive case that puts a fear of God into people long after they leave school. It's a beautiful language. It's a language that is is thriving uh, in the school system. It's also thriving in the, the network of libraries throughout the city have Kirkle Coros, conversation circles, and that's really where the language will live and why there's such an interest in it. Because it should be a language that we converse in, that we talk about the soccer match last night. We talk about what's right and wrong with the city or with, with the society. But it was, uh, in the past, it was, there was far too much emphasis on the technical aspects. Was it beat into people in school? I can only speak for my generation and I come at the, 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 the end of it where that was dying out. But certainly there was, we, we came through a, a, a system where if you got it wrong, that was, that was a criminal offence. It shouldn't be. It should be a comfort, and it is now. In fact, the emphasis in the, the state exam service is that 40% is given on being able to converse on it. Now, there's right and wrong in that. But interestingly, and I've had this conversation just over the last few days, where people have said that when they hear, the interesting part of it is that it's coming back because people are saying, I hear people from Ukraine, I hear people from Poland, I hear people all around me and their kids in school conversing in a language I don't understand. And I have my language and I'd like to get it back. So people are going to people like Onanagwil Galora up in UCC and they're doing evening classes. They're going to the Kirkle Coros. They're going to other courses that are provided and they're getting their mojo back in speaking Irish. So today it's about uh, Lána Gwilge. I, I mentioned, and if I could, yep. to your listeners, we put little wallet-sized pieces into all of the libraries with phrases, uh, simple everyday phrases in Irish, but with the phonetic spelling. In case I think that's one. I've got, a li- I've got a list of the phrases. Yeah, I've got a list of the phrases here in front of me, and you have broken them down phonetically, and that makes it so, so much more understanding. Um, like, you, you give an example the way they're broken down there, um, Chris. Yeah. Okay, well, under, uh, I'm trying to see now because I, I haven't actually, no. Okay, here, here we, have, we have one. You know, no, no, yeah, 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 Quaver is windy, four is cold, people like that. And he said, no, certainly in Westburn, people have said, soft day, thank God. You would have heard that much more mm-hmm. in, in the older population. But just, you know, you know, Simple stuff like that. We talk about the weather all the time. Why don't we talk about that? There are other useful phrases as well for um, a pot of tea, a pot of coffee, a jug, stuff that we would have had. I didn't grow up in an Irish language household, but I grew up in, an, in a house where my dad loved the Irish language. So we'd have bonnie and sugar at the table. Mm-hmm. And that might be the only Irish that would be spoken at the table. But my dad would, would had a love for the Irish. Pardon me. <coughs> that he passed on to me. So it wasn't beaten into... It wasn't beaten into me or my generation, yeah. but it was in previous generations. Chris, the, the little booklet that you've put together, it's in association with Cork Chamber, the Cork Business Association and the Evening Echo. I know that the phrases there were in the, in the Evening Echo last evening. How many booklets are printed and where are they available? No, these little pocket ones were created by First McGuilg a number of years ago and we got them redistributed. So there are several hundred in each of the libraries. If you're in any library, passing any of the libraries from Ballincollig to Grand Parade, pop in, they'll be there at the counter and just pick one up, put it into your pocket. We will be doing more on this and we'll be doing um, some other phrases and there are some other ones available. But it's 
to get people. We have a, a chap here who works in the canteen who is from um, Southeast Asia. But he has more Irish. He speaks more Irish to me on a daily basis because he's gone to the trouble of saying, OK, I'll have a couple of phrases. I'll interact with people. And right. that's, that's exactly as it should be. As I said, I had a friend who worked for a clothing retailer in Cork and she was the only, and this is back maybe 10, 12 years ago, the only person that wasn't from Poland in the stockroom. Okay. So she, she started to learn Polish. So if you can speak two languages, it's much easier to speak three, four and five. So at all, she will agree just couple of folklorash. If you only greet each other and say goodbye, if you only say kuponte or I mean, cappuccino is the same in every language. But if you say cup on cafe or cup on tea, if it's only that, my own experience has, of this has been, and I worked abroad myself for a time <coughs> in Denmark, and it was exactly as true there as it is here. People are reluctant to speak Irish in case somebody corrects them. We still haven't broken that. It's not that they don't understand it. You would under you would sit next to me in a conversation, Paul. I know you would, and you would understand at least every other word. But the courage to join in is what's stopping you in case somebody points it out to you. That's gone. Those days are gone. Nobody's going to correct your Irish. Taliban and Gwilger have been dismissed. We now have a situation where people are encouraged and should. If everybody listening to your radio program today, and there are tens of thousands of them, if they say hello and goodbye in Irish, job done. That's a, that's a, that's that's job. Well, job started. Okay. If when you're leaving the studio, you say slow and live when you're finishing your program this morning, thanks for listening. And there I, you go. I, I would, it's when not you said slow and live there now, right? Just norm, yeah. I would often have said to people, and maybe I'm in, uh, obviously I'm wrong, so am I? I say slow and lat. No slow and lat for one person and slow and live to a group. So if you're leaving a group of people, you would say slow and live. If you were just having a cup of coffee with your pal and there's just the two of you, you would say slow and lat. The singular and the plural. But right. you know, it's not about the rules. You just say, if you say Sloan, you cover all your bases, right. you know, it's, it's to break the reticence we have to speak it in case somebody corrects us. What Everybody in Cork has a great grounding in Irish, but they were never encouraged to use it in everyday life. If you were a betting man... And people what, what, blame Peg. It's not Peg's fault. She's blamed for everything. If you were a betting man, Chris, what is the percentage yeah. of the Irish people who can actually speak Osgwilga, uh, Cúpla Fuckle? Well, that's that's down in the in the census of population that people will say that up to forty percent say they can speak it, but the percentage of people who use it every day is far less. Forty percent. And I wouldn't have a. Speak, I, I, but that, I wouldn't, that's that's quite a high number, is it? Or should it be again? More, I'm more, pulling that it? off the top of my head. You'd yeah. have to go back to the CSO. I'm not sure of the statistic, but we all do have it. Do you understand Irish? Do you speak it? And I think the questions they ask in the census is: Do you use it in a non educational context and that's a much more interesting question but I'm, I'm absolutely sure if you say if you say Gurama good to somebody today they'll know what you're saying everybody in court and in fact it's the best spoken Irish I ever heard I used to do an Irish language radio program for five years in a radio station in Dublin back in the 90s yes. and the most beautiful Connemara Irish I ever, I ever heard was from a lady who was based in St. Petersburg who had never stepped foot outside of Russia yeah, yeah. I know that, listen... And you would swear listening to her that she had never seen, been West Spittle. <laughs> you're, you're saying no. there's a couple of hundred of these wallets at the moment. Do you guarantee that we'll have a lot more printed in time to come? Is this going to be a, a, a worthwhile project? Are you going to really put the work into getting this underway, on off the ground? Listen, 
when these are all gone, if we need to reprint them, we will absolutely reprint them. If we do other ones with other phrases, we will be doing that as well. So this is a start. It was basically a a suggestion was that we, given we're celebrating the National Feast tomorrow, why don't we just say, listen, tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day. Why don't we use this as an impetus to use the Cupola Fuckle? And there it is. I mean, you have them all there now, so there are other ones so you can order beer. Order beer. Okay, listen to me. Those those yeah, wallets listen, are very available important in, in any language. Those wallets are available in the library. It's in conjunction with the Evening Echo, Cork City Council and the Chamber of Commerce. Are these phrases on the Cork City Council website? They um they are, or if they're not, they certainly will be by the end of today. So there are and there are other ones that are outside of that, some of the more interesting ones that were updated over the last while. So um feel free, log on. There's a very useful phrase in the Irish language, which I only encountered from a Gaelgor, and it said, um, If you only have a small puck goat, be in the middle of the fair. So it's a very simple Irish language. If you only, if you can only say hello and goodbye, um, then that's more than you did yesterday. So oh, really? that's how the language lives, by people using it, not by having a degree in Shana Gaelgor, or not by um, showing off what Irish they have, by using it as normally as they would any other language and any other greeting. Law Aguelga, a fantastic project. I really think it's a fantastic um, initiative. I wish you well, Chris. And uh, again, the phrases and the booklets are available in the libraries. Also check out last night's Evening Echo. And uh, Chris Dorgan guarantees us that the phrases will be on the City Council website by the close of business. And they're there for, for uh, permanently at that stage. Chris, thank you very much indeed. Enjoy St. Patrick's Day and Slán Lát. Thank you, Grimil Margaret. Thanks for having me on your program. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Now, as we said earlier, we're of course, tomorrow St. Patrick's Day. Earlier in the week, PJ spoke to Catherine Casey from Killeen's, who was Grand Marshal at the London St. Patrick's Day Parade on Sunday last. Now, there was another Cork influence in the London Parade, and that is none other than Cork broadcaster and filmmaker Killian Pettit. He produced a music video to uh, which was actually aired in Trafalgar Square in front of 50,000 people. Killian, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you doing? I'm good. You must be absolutely over the moon to have a video that you produced screened in Trafalgar Square 50,000 people. Tell us about it. What was it like? Yeah, it's quite surreal, really, um, looking back over the last few days of photographs and videos that we took um, at the event. And, you know, you have Nelson's column towering above everyone on either side, a screen with uh, a couple of screens with, with uh, you know, footage of Cork uh, Harbour and Cork City and Winthrop Street and all this kind of thing. So, um, definitely uh, a highlight, a career highlight so far, for sure. And uh, tell us again about the video. There's places of Cork on 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 this video, is it? Yeah, it's a music video for a local band called The Newborn, and it's a song called Winter Sun. And they released it about a year ago, just as we were coming out of the lockdowns. So it's quite a hopeful song. Um, and I know the lead singer Gary Goggin 
from back in the day uh, when we were both pursuing music. Um, but Gary and uh, his band are still making music again now. And yeah, just had uh, shots in the video of Cork City, um, down around the harbour, Cross Haven. Uh, we were up in Warren Point at one point, and as well the beautiful old ruined church, St. Matthew's, up in Temple Breedy as well. Um, so it just, just very, you know, iconic Cork scenery on the uh, the big screens in Trafalgar Square. Wow. And tell me this, did King Charles get to see it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He might have been skulking around somewhere. I'm not too sure. I don't know how uh, how, how welcome he would have been amongst, uh, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of Irish people crowding Trafalgar Square. But no, loads of people, lots, lots of Irish people, as you would expect, but lots of non-Irish people there as well. Lots of languages and uh, people enjoying the St. Patrick's fun. And if people want to see this video, where can they log on or get get to see it? Yeah, it's on YouTube. So just search the newborn winter sun and uh, you'll you'll see it there. A mix of black and white and um, uh, not just black and white, but, you know, colour images of cork and uh you know, Scoozies even gets a, a bit of a look in there. The famous Cork restaurant, Scoozies. There's a couple of shots of their logo on Winthrop Avenue. Lovely stuff. Very good. Tell me, when did you move to the UK and how is it going for the Cork boy? Did you miss your mammy? Uh, I, I, you know, I miss my mammy, but I don't know if she misses me as much <laughs> because anytime I ask her, you know, do, would you like me to come over more and visit? She's like, ah, oh, no, you're fine. So <laughs> She rented out your room. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. <laughs> She's making a, a fortune off Airbnb. No, I've been over here just over a year and um, enjoying it. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm quite familiar with London from when I was making music back in the day, so it wasn't too much of a culture shock, but enjoying being here, you know, as you'd expect, there's something going on all the time. There's, there's, there's almost too much to do and too much to get involved with, but... It's fantastic to to be over here, but it's great as well. I mean, it's it's only when you you're here you realise how close Cork is mm-hmm. to London and how fortunate we are to be so close to what is a global city with so much opportunity. I mean, there are people who move from halfway around the world to be here, and you know that's much more difficult. Whereas we're we're very fortunate. I mean, it's easier to get to London than it is to Dublin. And and Killian, you mentioned the word opportunity. If you had stayed here. Would you have had that opportunity? Um, I mean, the thing is, I mean, London is just, it's such a big city. There is so much going on. It just feels like there's a lot of, a, a lot going on in the area that I am, which is video production and filmmaking and all that. It just, it seems like there's a lot happening right now. Um, Ireland, at the end of the day, is a small country, but what we have is we, we're bursting with creativity, you know, like we're, we're, we're almost too creative for the population base. So people have to go and, um, try and, you know, peddle their wares in other parts of the world. But there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of people want to come home. It's not like back decades ago when people wanted to leave and never make their way back to Ireland. It's totally different now. People go all around the world looking for opportunity with, you know, the the, the idea in their head to come back at some stage. I mean, that's certainly how I feel. But, you know, for the next few years, gonna gonna make the most of it, do everything I can. Um and yeah, there's there's just there's just loads going on really. And tell us about St. Patrick's Day. I mean will you take part in a parade tomorrow? Or sorry, you did, did that of course last week, didn't you? 
Yeah, yeah the, the yeah. big event was on Sunday. Yeah. The the parade started in Hyde Park Corner, made its way through central London all the way up to Trafalgar Square. So I actually missed the parade. I thought it was on earlier in the day. So I just went straight to Trafalgar Square. <laughs> so we were inside in, in Trafalgar Square and we could hear all this noise. And we're, what's going on out there? And then we could see there was a parade going past. And as you would expect, uh, a classic um, uh, item in every parade, St. Patrick's Day parade, was a tractor. So there was a couple of tractors going up and down uh, Whitehall and uh, other uh, central London streets. So great fun, great colour, great fun all together. Killian, listen, lovely talking to you. Continued success in all you do. And uh, remember, keep in touch with home, won't you? Absolutely. Thanks very much, Paul. Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, broadcaster and film director Killian Pettit talking to us there. Now, as we said, we're heading uh, towards midday, but heading towards uh, St. Patrick's Day as well, of course. And uh, our own Ken Parrott, our own little leprechaun who's out there with the street fleet at the moment, is uh, preparing for St. Patrick's Day because I know the street fleet and crew will be extremely busy tomorrow. Ken Parrott, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you? How are you? Are you well? I am all good. Looking forward to a great weekend. You were looking forward to St. To Patrick's Day off, I heard, but uh, they, 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 you drew the, the short straw. You're caught to work. What's happening? I, I, I've always been caught to work. 20 odd years I've been caught to work. Yeah, we, we might make that into an email later on. But look, there's so much going on. I'm looking at some of the, the smaller parades the, the outside the city. The main one in the city centre, that's, of course, the big showpiece, and it will be a fabulous spectacle of colour. That starts at around 1 o'clock right here in the heart of the city centre. Yeah, 1 o'clock, starting on the South Market Grand Parade along Patrick Street towards Merchant Key. Then outside the city, some of those smaller parades, I find them much better and they're great, especially for smaller children where you're not a squash game and they put in so much work and effort in the local towns and villages. Ballangiri, 12 o'clock, Ballancolic, 3 o'clock. Ballancolic is probably the second biggest parade along with Carrigaline, I think. The Bandon one, half past two. Bantry, 12 o'clock. Ballady Hop, half past 12. Boho Bui, 11 o'clock. Carrigaline, as I said, half past one. There is Paratool, one o'clock. That's happening right outside Aldi Yall, another big and a great parade, is at 3 o'clock. Kinsale, 3 o'clock. Um, Mallow, half past two, will be at Mallow. Middleton Parade is cancelled this year. Yeah. Will be 5 o'clock. Uh, Skull, quarter past one. Skibbereen, half past two. The one that could be great for any families there, later this evening, half past seven in Kinsale. They do this every year. It's the Maritime Parade. It's just getting dark. A load of boats come right into Kinsale, and it's a fabulous viewing area. And, and that's actually the, the e- this evening Thursday, you're saying, is it? Yeah, half past seven to ten o'clock tonight in Kinsale, wow. and it's always a great one to go and see. If you want to just get in there early, you know, get the, get the festive vibe a bit early, always good. Another thing, Paul, if you don't mind, yeah. I want to give a mention to is the Lions Club ball run. That's happening at 2 o'clock on Sunday evening and they get a load of little plastic balls. The idea is everyone sponsors or buys a ball and they release around 10,000 little plastic balls at the top of Patrick's Hill and the first two or three balls to make it to the finish line at the bottom, they win some various cash prizes. But it's always great to see, great to bring the kids in. We'll be there at that this weekend. And also the West Cork Rally, that's happening this weekend and we'll be down there too. So lots going on across Cork City and County We're spo- spoiled for choice. Ken, fair play to you. You've got a lot in there. Thank you very much indeed, Ken. Enjoy the weekend. And uh, if you are celebrating St. Patrick's Day tomorrow, stay safe, enjoy it. It's going to be a wonderful day. Uh, I'll be in Patrick Street with Virgin Media News. You can catch us on the news at half five. Maybe you'll see yourself on the news. Um, enjoy the day and uh, stay safe and a, a big hello as well to everybody in my uh, town of Ballincollig. That parade kicks off tomorrow at 3 o'clock. I want to thank everybody who took part in today's programme. You, the listener, for lending me your ears for the last three hours and thank you for your kind uh, comments and thoughts and uh, texts to the programme and of course without listeners we couldn't do it. Also to the amazing team here, to Emer, Fergal, Wayne, everybody, thank you so much indeed. Till the next time, Slon Live.
Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 and- 